Blog Talk Radio. This is Know It All. Welcome to Know It All, the ABCs of Education. I'm your host, Allison R. Brown of Allison Brown Consulting, ABC. I'm very excited about my new theme music that was put together by a high school student here in Washington, D.C. His name is Trayvon. And so I thank you, Trayvon, for the wonderful music. Um, you all are are here for Know It All, the ABCs of Education, where we aim to make you know-it-alls about education law, policy, and practice that affect you. Remember to listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern or at any time from your computer at blogtalkradio.com forward slash know-it-all. Today's show is a featured show on the Blog Talk Radio homepage, so be sure to follow us at blogtalkradio.com. Know It All is sponsored by The Root DC, part of the Washington Post family. The Root DC focuses on news for and about African Americans in the DC region. You can find episodes of Know It All and my blog posts after each show on my website and on the Root DC website at WashingtonPost.com forward slash local forward slash The Root DC. Also, in partnership with The Root DC and the Interactivity Foundation, I'm hosting monthly community discussions about education at D.C. public facilities. This past Saturday, March 16th, was the first community discussion, and we had phenomenal discussion about schools and discipline in D.C. One of the participants in Saturday's discussion was Mr. Donovan Anderson, a special education attorney in Washington, D.C., with more than 20 years of experience serving students with disabilities and their families. He's also been an attorney for the D.C. public school system. Good morning, Donovan. Welcome. Good morning, Alice. Today we're going to talk about. Oh, sure. We're going to talk about special education. Federal law protects students with disabilities from discrimination in school, and requires that schools meet the special needs of students with disabilities. Donovan is going to help us make sense of all of that. The Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, was enacted as the Education for All Handicapped Children Act in 1975. Early intervention, special education, and related programs are part of what the law has provided for children with disabilities. Donovan, tell us what what kinds of disabilities are covered by the law. Um, The law, there are basically 13 types of disabilities that the law covers. Um, You have um, autism. You have um, children who are identified as deaf blindness. You also have children who are identified as um, suffering from deafness. You also have children who are identified as suffering from emotional um, disturbance, children who are identified as hearing impaired, children who are identified as intellectually um, disabled. You have children who are identified also as multiple disabled, which is any combination of any of um, the other 12 disabilities. You also have children who are identified as orthopedically impaired, children who are other health impaired, um, children who are, which is the most popular disability, is specific learning disabled. You also have children who are identified as speech and language impaired, um, traumatic brain injured, and also children who are identified as visually impaired. Those are the, the 13 recognized disabilities that falls under the law. Okay. So, you know, federal law has 
has jumped into special education and ensuring that that students with special needs receive quality education, um, and that has created a, a, some confusion, I think, around uh, what the law requires and, and uh, even what is a disability. There are several laws relevant to special education. You have the IDEA, but you also have the Americans with Disabilities Act, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act. Can you talk to us about the difference between the different laws related to special education? I mean, from a school perspective, I mean, most of us more, more so focus on the IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, because every child who qualifies for services under the IDEA um, is eligible for services under 504 or ADA. Um, those, the, the converse, though, is not correct. So not necessarily if you qualify for services under 504 means that you have some type of disability um, or the ADA, that doesn't necessarily mean that you qualify for services under the IDA. So for, for the most part, though, in a school perspective, um, we more so focus on the IDA because it covers children between the ages of 3 through 21, and um, these are children who have some type of disability and they need some assistance to ensure that a free, appropriate public education is um, available to them. While um, 504, more so, is for children who you say that it's they're, they're, to be eligible for services under, five, under 504. These are children, they, first and foremost, they have to be of school age. So to be qualified, they have to be of school age, and that means that it's between um, the state law might determine that their school age is three here, it's three through 21. Um, they also must have um, a disabled, and they must have some. They must be disabled, and they must have some type of uh, considered as handicap. Um, ADA also, um, it's very similar to um, the, the the 504 provision, and um, basically, it, it it also states that you're 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 handicapped, but it more so it's a, it, it it's a more larger category in the sense of it talks about. Um, um, give a, a more expansive definition of what a handicapped child is. Donovan, will you tell, talk to us about what it is that you do on a daily basis for, for children with special needs? Well, what I do on a basic day-to-day uh, -day is that you have children, parents who um, their children either go to the D.C. public school or a D.C. charter school, and they are dissatisfied with the type of education that um, the school district is providing. So you have two sets of parents. You have parents who basically um, the children might be in regular education and they are not performing the way that the parent um, expects the child to perform. And the law basically states that all school systems all over the country, if a child is not progressing from, from grade to grade as the way they should, the law states and a lot of parents are not aware that the school district is supposed to come to them to say, you know, your child is not progressing the way he or she should, and this is what let us work together to try to come up with a plan to figure out what are some of the child's um, problems and how can we address that. Unfortunately, not many school districts um, are, are ahead of the curve in the sense that they're going to come to the parents. So the parent will come to me to say, these are the problems that I'm having in school, and I will go back to the school district to say, by the way, there is a law out there that says that you 
have the obligation to not to say that the child is disabled, but that you have an obligation to say to the child under a, a provision of the law called child fine to say that you know the child is not progressing from is not progressing as he or she should, and so therefore, therefore this is what let's let's work together to see what we can do. So so I will. Um, go out, go to the school district to say this is what um, we think that you should do for the child, or there are the second child who is already in special ed and um, already um, was identified in the sense of through evaluations and DCPS has, has um, developed an IEP for the student, and the parent again might be dissatisfied because they don't believe that the child is getting the type of services as they believe and making the type of progress that they should under the IEP. And so, therefore, again, I would um, go toward the school district to say, we do not believe that the services that you're providing to the child is appropriate, and this is what we think you should do to provide the child an appropriate education under the law. Okay. And the law does define a free, appropriate public education or FAPE. Yes. What is that? How is that FAPE. defined by the law? FAPE, it's... FAPE is it's specialized instruction and related services, and it states that it has to be provided at public expense. It has to meet some type of state standard. Um, it has to include um, any appropriate preschool or and or elementary secondary school. Um, but, but let me. FAPE is a free appropriate public education. So basically, what that says is that once. Um, the, the handicapped child is brought to your attention, you're supposed to evaluate them, and you're supposed to design um, the, the, the instruction that you believe that this child will need to perform as his non-disabled peer in their least restrictive environment, meaning that in the regular schools that he or she would have gone but for their their handicapped condition. So you're, you're basically creating... Um, a plan for the children to ensure that they will perform as their non-disabled child in the in the school environment. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned um, the, that charter schools are public schools and so have to comply also with federal law um, when they receive federal monies. Are private schools part of that as well? No, the law is not applicable to private schools because it, what the law says is safe. It's free, appropriate public education. So the private school by itself, um, the, that, that portion of the law does not apply to them. If a public school, though, places a child in a private school, then the public school has to ensure, though, that the private school is compliant with the law in providing the services to the child. But if, there is, if the child is, has not been placed in the school by the public facility, the law is not applicable to private or religious schools. And parents can request that public schools place their child in a private school setting if the public school is not an appropriate public education. Yes. Is that right? Yes, parents parents can do that and parents can do that and and um the private school for the most part one one would consider is one of the most restrictive type of setting you can place a public a, a student in because a child would not necessarily be eligible to go to a private school until we have proven that the facilities that the public setting does not have this, the classroom facilities to provide the child the specific education he or she requires. And once that, once you have crossed that hurdle to say that the, the 
public school cannot provide the child the services, then you need to look to the private setting to see if they have the facilities or to have the facilities to provide the child the type of specific education he or she requires. And the specific education that the, the student requires is set forth in that student's individualized education plan or IEP, yes. right? What is what is the IEP? And an and IEP basically, in our layman's language, it's basically a contract. It is a contract that a school district signs with a parent to say, I have identified your child as having this this particular disability. And these are the specific services in the sense that we're going to provide the child um, specialized instruction. We're going to provide the child related services in the sense that we might say the child might need um, speech and language therapy because the child requires, the, the child has some type of speech issue. We might provide the child occupational therapy or physical therapy or um, counseling services. And um, the, a team meets they draw, you could say, this contract that the, the school, so the, the school district states that these are the services that we are going to provide your child. Um, the school district is not saying that I'm going to guarantee you that your child is going to, the, the goal is, the, is that the child is going to improve performance-wise based on this contract, but the, what the school district says, uh, these are the services that your child needs. These are the services that I'm going to provide to him. And if these services are provided, the hope is that the child will see the academic performance of the child increases with these accommodations that we have put in place. And the reason why I say it's a contract, it's because if the school district does not provide those services, a parent can go and file a lawsuit to say that the school district, not for money, but for services, can file a lawsuit by saying, you, the school system, you told me that these are the services that you're going to provide my child. You did not provide the services, so therefore you need to compensate my child for your failure to provide the services. And so when you talk about compensate, it's that you, tr you compensate the, the child by providing the services that they were supposed to provide in the form of compensatory education services. So you um, participated in the schools and discipline conversation we had on Saturday, um, and you noted at that at that discussion that students with special needs are disciplined differently or should be than general education students. Specifically, students with disabilities have to receive a manifestation determination before they can be suspended for, from school for more than 10 days or expelled. Will, will you explain behavior and discipline and special education? Yes. For for a disabled child, what the law says that um, if you are going to suspend a child for more than 10 school days, you have to, um, once you have crossed the 10 days, like all school districts, for whatever reason, you can suspend a child, a special education child, for 10 days. But once you have crossed the magic threshold of 10 days, um, you are supposed to have a meeting to make a decision to state, okay, is the reason why the child, once you've crossed the 10 days, is the reason why the child is having these behaviors, is it a manifestation of the disability? It is, is it because of his or her specific disabilities why they are having these type of um, concerns? Um, a meeting is convened with the parent, with the school officials, and um, the appropriate, the, the parent, the teacher, and uh, any other appropriate school officials, and they will discuss um, the action. 
and then that team will make a determination to say whether or not the, the, the matter is a manifestation in the sense that is it because of the disability why this child had this, um, this infraction. Well, the law says, though, that if it is a manifestation of the disability, you can, the child cannot be suspended. So if the team determines that, that it is a manifestation of the child's disability, then the child cannot be suspended for that behavior. And so the school is then told that there are things that they need to do to work towards either finding the child in school, providing additional services to the child to make sure that this behavior is not, um, does not replicate itself. If the team determines that it is not a manifestation of the disability, the law, of, the law states, though, that the child can be suspended. But the difference, though, is that because the child, as I stated before, because the child has an IEP and because you, have the, you the school district, have signed this contract with the parent to say that I am going to provide these services to the child, if the school district suspends the child, the school district, therefore, has to identify a site to say to the parent that these are the places, these are the, these are the places that the IEP can be implemented. So the child can be suspended, but you have to put the, the, the child has to be educated during the period of suspension. So it's, you, the child cannot be sent home without services. There are, and I, with, with, um, there's a lot of discussion um, with um, children who have done certain actions now where the school district states that, you know what, because of the crime, whatever is done is so heinous that we need to immediately get the child out of the school. And so there are certain exceptions. There are three exceptions that the, the law creates. The law states that if your child brings a weapon to school, and they the, the, the define what a weapon is, if the child brings drugs on um, on school property or a school trip, or if the child um, commits what's considered serious bodily injury, that um, the, the administrator can immediately remove, take this child out of the regular school. But at the same time, though, you would have to identify an interim placement where the child's IEP can always be implemented. So for the, the, the long and short of it is that for a child who has a, an IEP, they can be disciplined. However, the difference is that the school district, during the period of discipline, has to implement the IEP. So the child cannot be sent home um, without services. And I've always told parents that the only child who is guaranteed an education is a child with an IEP because they're the only one who has a contract where the district states that these are the services that I guarantee I will provide your child for the for the school year, for the duration of the IEP. So that, that it's a lot. I know it's a lot. And um, you know, as a as an attorney enforcing those federal laws that require <clears throat> a free, appropriate public education and that require um, a manifestation determination before a, a student with special needs can be disciplined, um, I know that the law is well intentioned and that it, it is trying to anticipate every every kind of event that might arise. Do you think that schools really understand all of the legal requirements under the law for, for special education and the provision of special education? I, I, don't think that, I don't think that most all schools do. And I think 
as administrators, and I think the school is caught between a, a rock and a hard place because the bottom line is that if you have a child who commits some type of disciplinary infraction to maintain control of your building, you cannot say, you cannot have this child who does this infraction and they come back to school. And a lot of administrators are saying that, you know, if I do that, then how do I control my building? And so, mm-hmm. so they believe that, you know, we have to suspend the child because if we don't suspend the child or if the child is not re- re- gone immediately, then everyone in the building is going to believe that they can do this. And so, yes, they I don't think they necessarily um, understand what the law states, but we have to protect these children because these are children who we have identified as having some type of disability. And some of these kids, when they do these acts, it is because of their disability. And so, therefore, we have to provide them some type of protection in the sense that if protection is not provided to them and if we're not addressing the identified disability that we know that they have, um, how do we expect them to be productive members of our society? So I do sympathize a lot with um, the administrators because they have to run their building because of you're, we're not dealing with one child. You're dealing with the other children. But this is what the law says, and some do and some don't. And some, in spite of the law, states that, you know what, in order to maintain discipline in my building, this is what I have to do because I cannot – allow the rest of the school population to see this infraction and believe that they can also do it and get away. Mm-hmm. So as, a, as an attorney for um, the Department of Justice in the Civil Rights Division's education section, um, some of our focus was students who had been, um, or, or disproportionality in the identification of students with special needs. So in other words, that that black students, for instance, are over-identified as in need of special special education around the country. Um, and this is something that, that the Department of Justice takes very seriously and, and looks at. And I know that, you know, this is um, a conversation that is had nationally uh, about education and about how we are identifying special education and, and identifying students with special needs. Um, and you have said that D.C. is, is different, um, that the same is not necessarily the case here. What do you mean? Well, what, my position is that I think parents here in the district, uh, they believe, I think, at least in my experience, and in 23 years I've done this in the sense of working for 10 years of my life, I I worked as, as the attorney for the school district, and for the past 10 years I'm representing parents. A lot of parents believe that if their children is identif- are identified as special needs, that that will give their child the, 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 the quality education that they're seeking for their, ch- for their child. And so, at least in my experience here in D.C., um, where that's not the major issue in a sense that parents are saying that there are a substantial amount of children of African-American children who are identified. The parents, they are, they are looking for solutions, and I think that's one of the reasons why, and although I, I do not agree, a lot you have the charter schools are so popular in D.C. because parents are looking for answers. They are dissatisfied with the type of the quality of instruction that their children are receiving. And a lot of parents here in D.C. believe that if, I, if my child has an IEP, they can, the IEP will ensure that they get the quality instruction either in the public school setting or in the private school setting. I think that once we have a, a level playing field here in D.C., where the quality of instruction 
increases in the public school setting. I think that the parents here will then start looking at the fact that um, that the over-representation of um, African-American children in special, ed, in, in special ed. I think that once we have moved past the, the, that, the quality of instruction that's provided, I think we'll get to that discussion. But right now, the, parents, the major concern for the parents is that I need to get my child quality education, and I believe that if, I, if my child is identified as special needs, at least I can guarantee that they can get the quality instruction that I'm seeking. Mm-hmm. So federal law requires that schools accommodate special needs students and students with disabilities, and these accommodations can include, you know, extra time in class for classwork or extra time for tests and quizzes, including tests like the SAT and the ACT or standardized tests as well, or um, a dedicated aid for the classroom and other such services. Donovan, once a student has an IEP, how long is an IEP with that student, which which then, of course, begs the question, can students transition out of special education, and if so, how? Well, an IEP, an IEP only lasts for one year. Mm-hmm. And so every year the team meets, discuss the progress or lack of progress that the child has made, and at that meeting a decision is made whether or not this child still um, continues to require the special um, the special assistance. So this is a decision that's made every year. So um, also a child is, the law also states that every three years that a child is reevaluated, and so therefore that you have to do some type of formal reevaluation every three years. So it, it is a revolving door. So children are not necessarily stuck in special ed for the rest of their educational life. The, uh, the decision, a decision is made every year um, to continue the IEP, and a decision is made uh, can be made every every three years when a child is reevaluated to see whether or not that child has still has this disability. And the goal of special ed is that we are supposed to provide the child the accommodation he or she requires. And once he's, once we provide the accommodation, the goal is that with the um, acquisition of these um, accommodation, then the child will will perform as his or her non-disabled peer would perform, and then you would take away the accommodation. So it is not a it, it is it is supposed to occur that these children are supposed to move through the system and move back from 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 an IEP to a regular education child. So and I, that that is the hope, and that's what I. That's what I work with parents to say that you know we'll provide the services, and as soon as the child has met these goals, then we'll pull the services. And I think just for a larger issue, I think that's one of the reasons why I fully believe that we need to reach the children early through early intervention. That if you provide the services and accommodation to the children at an earlier age, that they will acquire the knowledge that they need, and so as they move through the system, um, we can start pulling away, um, pulling away some of these extra services that we have to provide to them because they would be performing as their non-disabled peer. Mm-hmm. Donovan Anderson is a special education attorney in Washington D.C. His website is donovananderson.com. That's D-O-N-O-V-A-N Anderson.com. You are now officially certified know-it-alls on serving students with special needs. Be sure to join us next week when we have a conversation about 
the services that are provided and learning that happens outside of school, extended learning opportunities. Remember to follow Know It All, the ABCs of Education on Blog Talk Radio. Follow me at Allison R. Brown on Twitter. Find ABC on Facebook. And read my blog at allisonbrownconsulting.com. Thank you, Donovan, for joining us today. And thank you very much, Allison, for having this opportunity. And thank you again. And many thanks again to Trayvon for the wonderful theme music. And thanks to all of our listeners. Have a wonderful week. I can I can I can exhale now? <laughs>